Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Jeff Clossy. Is this thing on? Is it on? Yeah. Why? Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh. Good morning, Jay. What do you mean, can I hear you? I just wanted to make sure you could hear me. Well, yeah, you don't wear headphones. That's why you don't know. No. I'm the only one that knows. Yeah, Wouldn't it be so great? I could be muted the entire time and not realize it till I hear it. I should it. do that sometime. <laughs> I should do that sometime, and I'll just, it'll just be a one-sided conversation in the podcast. It'll just be dead air, and then, or faintly, because my microphone would pick up some of what you say. You just go through and edit it, and I'll cut yeah. out all the silences. Just cut out all the <laughs> gaps and all the things that you said. And like, Someone oh. says, were you there? Yeah, yeah. what do you mean? Yeah. Didn't hear a thing you said. Podcast was like <laughs> 15 minutes long. Um, what a beautiful day it is. We're recording on a Wednesday today. It's, it's Wednesday, Gary. It's a beautiful day today. It is a beautiful day. A little cooler. I, it's, yeah. We, we had a meeting last night and went outside and it was cold. Yes. And I was like, it's August and it's cold. But I will just say, anybody that complains about that and the heat wave everywhere else, like where my dad is in, in Iowa, it was over 100 degrees for I don't know how many days straight. And we just don't. Oh, don't worry. We'll pay for this, Jay. We're it's going to be hot later in the week. I know it is. Well, it is supposed to get. Yes, we're going to pay for it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But it was so funny. Last Wednesday, like there was a time where they were forecasting a hundred degrees for last Wednesday, and then it ended up they kept downgrading it, and then it ended up like seventy eight. And I told my dad that, and he just laughed. And I and it was funny because I knew we had friends who went to the beach. They planned a beach day because it was supposed to be so hot, and then they ended up being miserable and cold at the beach. Yeah, it definitely didn't get what yeah. they forecasted. But yeah, it's today is one of those days. I'm excited to get out and breathe some of that air today. It's just a wonderful morning, which is very fitting. You did you plan that? For no, the I transition didn't. I just of like said the, what this came past to my mind. Weekend we had worship in the park, so we worshipped outside. It was a beautiful day. Uh, that day, we've always had really, God's been very kind that the weather for that day has always been really good. And it was again, and we had a great turnout and lots of baptisms and, um, which is awesome. And then we talked about creation. We did. And I, I would I just say the, the morning, it was such a beautiful, joyful worship filled morning. You know, like we always emphasize that, that you know, our worship together is not just when we sing songs. And there's sometimes when I think me, just my subjective experience of that is more full. Like it just felt like for me on Sunday, every moment of it. And I think part of it was probably because I was outside. Yeah. Um, and the baptisms, especially. Did you know that if you're baptized in a lot of weeds, that it works better? That it takes more? Yeah. Like, cause it sticks yeah. to you. Yeah. I think it's when the leeches stick to you. <laughs> That's when it really sticks and really takes. Yeah, so there are a lot of weeds there, but they're soft. Yeah. So it's beautiful. I People have said something about leeches. <laughs> in all my years of baptizing people in the river here, I've yet to encounter a leech. I came out un, unscathed. Unscathed. Just as full of toxins as before I got in the water. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't take any out of me. But it was so beautiful, and I, it, it's amazing to me, like getting to hear people give voice to God's work in their life yeah. and you know in such a variety of ages and experiences backgrounds it it was beautiful yeah we had such a big age range and and it also was a reminder that when because we always have people share their testimony and sometimes it's really short and sometimes it's longer um but they're all powerful and so people often think well I don't like I don't know what I'm going to say and then you know, they'll say something like, well, I want to get baptized because I want to follow Jesus. And to them, they're like, well, that was obvious. 
but the power of hearing someone testify to that and then get in the water and be baptized is just a huge encouragement um, to the church and it's really beautiful and so obviously we do baptisms in the church also like in the church building um, throughout the year but then a lot of people really look forward to having the opportunity to be baptized in the in the river and I don't know I mean that does connect to the message like I talked about just nature you know and 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 a psalm there are a lot of psalms that are about creation and about nature and how it's meant to stir us in that way and and I don't know if anybody can ever really just even put their finger on it but I don't know that I've ever known anyone that's unaffected by nature there's definitely people who are more outdoorsy than others but I think usually when we think of outdoorsy we think of like outdoor activities like hunting and fishing and hiking and camping and that kind of thing. And not everybody's into that, but I don't know anybody that doesn't, you know, appreciate a beautiful day or doesn't appreciate beautiful scenery or, you know, sunset or um, being out there worshiping outside and, and like I said, the river and everything. So what do you think it is? Like, why, why does it, I mean, obviously it's God's design. Um, but is that what's been your experience with that? I mean, I got to talk a little bit about my experience of not being a super outdoorsy person, but still feeling very rejuvenated in the outdoors. I'm curious what your experience has been. Yeah, I mean, to me, like, so I, I, I want to just acknowledge what you just said there, because sometimes when we do talk about outdoors, we're talking or we assume recreational activities, and there's much more going on than just a sport we enjoy you know, or a hobby we enjoy. For me, getting out in creation is absolutely essential. Like I, I would say, I will often use the phrase like with my kids, like that was really good for my soul. Mm-hmm. And I think actually <clears throat> there's a bit of mystery in that. I'm not sure exactly the ingredients that, that I'll go into that. We've lived, this is this, the most rural place that I have lived um, we've lived in some decent big cities, um, in the, in the heart of the cities. And even in those places though, where there's like buildings around and always people, I've still always been able to find green spaces and trees and hear birds. All of that to me is, um, I, I often feel like it's God smiling his shining face on me in those moments when I get to observe it. I think part of it at least in my experiences, I tend to be a bit more mindful of what's going on, like where I'm situated in the world. So there's like, even last night, so you're talking, we had a meeting last night and we left, as we left church, it was dark and the moon was beautiful and huge. And looking at the night sky and seeing the vastness of it does something to me differently than being in the middle of the woods, hearing birds. Um, But they both do something to me that is more than just, something I enjoy. I feel like there's actual rejuvenation. And I do think that it's ultimately the presence of God that I'm in those moments, even when I'm not, you know, quoting Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. I'm not like reading that. I feel that it's like they're singing a song yeah. that is real. They, yeah. they, and they are. Yeah. I and mean, that's the, that's the neat thing about this is acknowledging and realizing that we are wired. These are some of the examples when we, we talk about how, um, you know, intelligent design and how God intentionally designs creation, that it's not haphazard. He's not, he wasn't just looking for things to fill up some space 
that everything is created with design. And one of the neat things over the years has been seeing how many, how many things in creation as you learn about them in a non-Christian context, for example, but they still point back to truths about who God is and, and just realizing, man, think about all the Easter eggs in, in creation that we haven't even discovered yet that God knows like, yeah, in, in a thousand years, you're going to discover this about this plant and it's going to, it's going to reflect how I've you know designed and created you. And that's part of why it's so fun. And I think a lot of people don't realize that um, it's so weird in the history of the world. It's very weird that we live in an era where people try to pit science against Christianity, mm. you know, science mm-hmm. against like that they're on these opposite viewpoints when the reality is that it was, it was Christians who really pushed science, especially like the natural sciences, because it was only the people, the people who believed that God created everything, who, who believed it was worthy then to study it. So before it was the, it was the atheists or the, the, um, you know, what would be referred to as pagans, but the, you know, people who just didn't believe, um, they didn't think there's any value in studying how a plant grows because in their mind, their worldview is that it's all chaotic. It's all like, there's no order to anything, but it was actually those who believed in God and his creation that believed, well, if God created it, then there's an order to it and there's an intentionality to it. Therefore it's worthy of our time to study it and discover it and to, to learn more about it. And I think a lot of people just, we we think that they're like these two different things that sprouted up separately and now are com- like clashing and you have to reconcile. And so whenever someone says like, yeah, I have to, you know, but I'm just really scientific. I'm like, yeah, so is God. God's incredibly, like incredibly orderly. He created all of that with order. That's why there's even a field of natural sciences, you know, because you can study that. I think that's a really good point. It, the, the phrase there, like I'm, I'm a bit more science minded or I'm kind of lean more scientific or logic or yeah, like scientific. would imply, well, and logic's another great example, yeah, right. Yep. Of what you're talking about. The, the idea that there is like one or the other and to accept science means you reject Christianity or to accept Christianity means you reject science. Like it's not, that's a false dichotomy and, and it's a sad one. It's a, it's a really, it's sad because science being the study of, of what is there, right? Like if that's basically what it is, it's the, it's the study and exploration of the world God created. The more we know what is true and real in the world, the better off we are. If we believe what Jesus taught about the world, that he is, he is the the way, the truth and life. Like these are things that he made for us to learn and grow in. And, you know, many people know this already about me, but having spent 13 years ministering on college campuses that were not Christian ones, public ones, the number of faculty of science that I knew who were followers of Jesus, the Mm -hmm. number of students that I watched follow Jesus through biology, physics, chemistry, who are flourishing followers of Jesus, their faith wasn't, they didn't doubt their faith. It grew their faith. I think that there is a, it's more of like a, a character um, that maybe some people have experienced. I mean, I think it has been some people's experience because their their view of of what it means to follow Jesus is different. 
um, like a blind leap that has nothing to do with reality at all, like a tale that, that just was told a myth. Um, but that's not what we believe about no. about this. We believe that when we follow Jesus, we are actually growing in our understanding of what is real in the world. And to me, that just gets at what knowledge is as well. So you cannot scientifically, there's not a, there's not a, um, experiment you could do a beaker you could fill a, a thing you could measure um to say god doesn't exist that's just not possible by the nature of what right. science is but um I'm, yeah i'm glad you brought that up i think that's that can be a real obstacle to people where they feel like they have to somehow suspend that part of their brain and i would say if you if you feel like you're wired that way you're listening to this like you feel like you tend to dra- gravitate towards the sciences or maybe math or logic i would say lean into that yes don't 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 be afraid of that. Um, I think that's a gift from God Yeah, in you. Yeah, you're not, you don't need to worry that you're not going to discover something about some plant that you're going to be like, oh, well, then that disproves the existence of God. Like, that's not, it's not possible. I mean, one, we don't think it's possible because we believe that God is real. So, mm-hmm. but even, even anybody would have to concede that, that nothing um, would disprove. And, and look, we get it. And one thing I always want to caution Christians of is that creation does testify over and over again and does sing this song. But that's not going to be convincing to a non-believer who doesn't see it that way. Like this is a frame of mind. It's a context. It's a lens that you see it through. And and so sometimes I think we get, we oversimplify it on the other side of um, like, well, you know, obviously how could, how could all of this have happened, you know, and not be created? Like, well, yeah, I get it. There are other theories, but, um, the reality is that, especially when you talk about creation, none of us knows, like no one was there when it happened. None of us were there. And, and so ultimately whether, whatever you believe about how this world came into an existence, it is, it is a leap of faith. Like it is a, you can call it an educated guess if you want to. You can call it like discernment of of weighing out the options, but ultimately, um, you know, you're trusting in that. And you know, and my testimony has always been that for me, that all gets you know hinges on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Exactly. So I believe in the biblical account of creation because I believe in the resurrection of Jesus, and He believed in. The, so like whatever that dude's doing, like that's that's I'm with him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but if you don't believe that, then yeah, it's, it, cause there are a lot of, you know, every worldview and every religion views creation with this, you know, well, actually I shouldn't say every one, not, not all do, but most, and most of the ones that we are familiar with also have an appreciation of nature and creation. And, um, and part of it's cause it's just bigger than us. So everybody, regardless of your belief or worldview, something that nature does is it it puts us in a place, right? It puts us in a spot. You can't stand at the foot of the Grand Canyon and think that you're really big, right? Like you can't you can't stand at the base of a mountain and think that you're invincible. Like you just or in the ocean, um, the, like the night sky, right? That's yeah. what I was like feeling earlier when I was even just thinking about the moon and the stars. You yeah. just feel like I am very small, right? <laughs> compared to what I'm looking at, right? Which is Psalm eight, you know, like when I look at all of this, what is man that you are mindful of him? And so there is like, and I didn't get a chance to really mention that, but that's something for me in nature that 
that really stirs me is I both feel very small, but also very significant. You know, like a lot of times we think of small leading to insignificance. Like I'm small and insignificant. I'm small, but the significance come, comes in that God sees me and knows me. So the, the God who created all of like this and spoke things into existence is also the one that numbers the hairs on your head. And there's like this dichotomy, which I think puts us in, I think, you know, God designed it to put us in that frame of reference. And so I think it's interesting that Jesus doesn't, when he uses nature, he he doesn't use it to be like, like, who do you think you are? Look at how, look at how big all this stuff is. So like, stop whining and complaining about like, you're so insignificant. He uses the bigness of nature, like in calming the storms and everything to demonstrate why you should listen to him. when he says, look at the birds of the air. They, they're fed. They don't, they don't work or toil, but look at them. And you, you're more significant. And, um, I just think that's, that's part of the gift is it's meant to make us feel small, but also really known and loved. It's, and it's, we live, I mean, one of the things I love most about living here is how close we are situated to what is out there. So not only, you know, the context, like getting in the woods, but then also the animals that we get to see that I think part of it is just we recognize it inherently this is beautiful so like when an eagle flies overhead yeah most people do want to stop and watch it yep if a fox goes through your backyard you you do stop what you're doing so you can see it or like we of course we pay attention to deer for numbers of reasons but even though i see deer all the time i still want to look at them they're beautiful yeah and how they function i think it's one of the really neat gifts of god for us who live in this area is we do get to see the goofy turkeys um, that walk that walk around, and even the so turkeys goofy. can be beautiful, you know. And they're funny, like the way God made them. And I, it's just all of it. We believe, right, is a reflection of Him. Like right. He He created out of who it's He endless is. Endless create, endless creativity. Yeah, as an artist, and yeah. He, it's amazing to think that He could have made it any way He wanted, but He intentionally chose this animal will be like this. Yeah, and now we get to see it and. I do think it's really neat to pay attention to what your soul does, your heart does when you see beauty in, in creation or, or just right now I've noticed driving down the road or walking with our dogs down the roads. There are a lot of wildflowers that are coming out the different seasons of the, of the summer, spring and summer and fall, different ones come out right now. There's yellows everywhere. And when I slow down enough and <laughs> that's part of the challenge of it, you got to slow down and focus and, and see what's around you. It's just breathtaking what what is growing that no one planted they're yeah. just growing all around us yeah it wasn't any human being who said i want these flowers to grow here that's beautiful too when people have gardens like that but where we live we can just walk down the roads or drive down a country road really quickly and see it it's amazing yeah so how do you keep from um putting on creation than what was not supposed to be so put on it so we talk all the time about idolatry is like tim keller would say making turning a good thing and turning it into an ultimate thing. Um, and the idea, John Piper has said, you know, that these kinds of things are meant to be a window and not a painting. And so, you know, a painting, your gaze stays on that and like just, you're just fixated on the, the what it was created. But a window is meant to be looked through to see something greater. And, 
And I and I see both of that because you definitely could say, man, there, a sunset looks like a painting. It doesn't look like a window. Window, you know. And I'm watching these animals. That's not. I'm not looking through them. But there is a sense in which we are designed to receive that gift and have it turn our hearts to God. Like it's not meant to terminate at nature and end in like worshiping Mother Nature or worshiping just you know nature itself. How do you? How do you protect yourself from that? Um, you know, because I'll give you an example. I've, I've talked, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this in the sermon or not, but I've talked to a lot of people who say, who have said to me things like, I, I feel closest to God when I'm out in nature. And, and so like they'll, and then they'll get carried over into, so like for me, a deer stand is church. And there's a way in which I can understand that, that I think is healthy. And there's a way in which that's unhealthy how do you, how do you discern that? Like, how do you discern the difference between just saying like, yeah, I love, yeah, I love fishing. So that's why, like, that's why I always say, like, I feel closest to God there. And so that's my, that's my worship is when I'm fishing. And that's why I don't, that's why I go fishing on Sunday morning instead of worshiping, you know, with the church family. How do you, well, a couple things came to my mind. I mean, in those instances, I think, when we when there's an obvious like teaching of Jesus to and and of his people in the word to gather and worship if we if the thing that we think is our worship is not what he has described and given us and commanded us to do then we need to make adjustments so i would say that when there's a clear teaching in the scriptures and we we find ourselves if we just follow what we think is worship violating those in some way like going out on our own not gathering together not encouraging others um, worship that never involves other human beings for example um, then then we just we need to make adjustment so i think that comes in dialogue i think you know i'm wary of making too black and white of a statement because i think could be that someone is stirred in a in a way and i would want to say that's awesome lean into that and don't abandon the other ways of worshiping that god has given us but really on a practical level, I think I mentioned this in a sermon not too long back, but my father-in-law, I've learned from him when he, when he sees an eagle, for example, or, or something beautiful, he will say out loud, thank you, God. Like it's just what comes out of him. And I've been around him for over 20 years now. And, uh, I have picked that up and my kids do that. And I, I, so I think part of it is like, we're like, there's a bit of a discipline in that, but now that it's I've done it for long enough. It's just what we do. When we see beauty in creation, our hearts express what we see to God. And that's, again, going from monologue to dialogue we've been talking about on Sunday morning. It's you're experiencing the beauty, tell God. Tell him this is beautiful. And when you tell him it's beautiful, then you thank him. Because you, you re- right away you realize well, this is beautiful because you did this. And this is a gift from you. So when you treat it like a gift... I think that that really does help make it like it doesn't terminate with, like you said, terminate with creation. It doesn't, the praise of it doesn't end there. It's actually through creation that we praise God then. So I would say that's a really practical way of doing it. But I love that, that my father-in-law chooses to do that out loud Yeah, because I would have never known that was going on in his heart. And he does it in not a weird way. It's not a showy (laughs) thing. You know, it's a very natural expression of what his heart does when he sees it and he stops everybody and like, yeah all right everybody yeah, yeah. let's pay attention let's, to what yeah. i'm about to do yeah. no yeah, no. no it just it's what he does and 
I think it's a great example. And you could apply that to a lot of areas of life. Yeah, there's something interesting in there that, um, you know, I think it is a difficult thing to often discern, am I receiving this thing as a gift and enjoying this and being a good steward of this gift? Or is it become an idol in my life? I find a lot of people struggling with that. And I struggle with that because you know, a detachment from it, you could think like, oh, I don't want this to be an idol. Therefore, I'm going to not care about it. Well, that's every gift that God has given us to enjoy. So you could say about your family could be an idol. Well, obviously the safest way or the way to protect yourself from idolizing your family is not to detach yourself from your family. You know, the the way to keep yourself from idolizing your work is not to stop working, you know, or stop showing up to your job. And the same way with nature, like it's not, it's not the answer. So then the question is, okay, how do you function? How do, how do you function as a good steward of this and actually receiving this gift with enjoyment and making sure that like, that it's being enjoyed in the fullest way, not just the proper way or the appropriate way, but it's important to know that what is appropriate according to God is also what is the fullest version of experiencing the best. It's the best. Yeah. Right. And that's something that we like, you can get caught into the idea of like, okay, well, so I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to love this thing, but not too much. So God says like, okay, it's like where we get into moderation and all things kind of an idea, but that's not actually what God is doing with the gifts that he's giving us. He wants us to enjoy them to their, full. So if you think about, um, you know, we use the example sometimes of eating ice cream and you say, well, enjoying ice cream to its fullness is not over, overindulging in it. That actually will take away from the enjoyment of it. Um, enjoying it to the full is, um, enjoying it fully, like how it's supposed to be and, and, and savoring it and, and appreciating it. Um, and so it's not just saying like, well, enjoying ice cream wouldn't be never having it. Although people that don't have dairy, then they have to have the dairy-free ice cream, which is just so sad. But some people have it really hard. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's that is really difficult. Yeah. That's a difficult life. As I raise my hand. Um, yeah. So, um, but the idea of okay, I want to I want to appreciate this. And one thing that popped in my head as you were talking is, I think when we enjoy God's gifts rightly and to the fullness, like how they were designed, it will draw our hearts to worship God in other ways. Mm-hmm. So when I was out on the spiritual renewal retreat, like where I just kind of went out and, and biked and hiked and just sat and looked at the lake and everything, my heart was stirred towards worship of God, and it made me desire more to be with our church family and singing praises and taking communion and hearing the word and being like it it draws me to that um, rather than away from it where I find idols, things that I idolize draw me away from those other expressions. So you said, let it be lean into that. And I love that. So it's not like, it's not a lesser thing. Like lean into that. If you're wired in that way to receiving that gift and enjoying it, but the way, but also don't like, then let it be a replacement for other gifts of worship that God has given us, including the main one of, of gathering together. And I think that watching your heart in that will tell you, is this becoming an idol? Because an idol will pull you away from those other expressions of worship. Whereas a um, receiving it as a gift will draw you towards, I think 
draw you towards worshiping God in in those other ways. I don't even think about that. If you think that's as no, I agree. Clear cut as that. Well, yeah, it's it's what what is the fruit of it? Is I think what you're saying. Yes. And and think about solitude and silence as another just another example. Jesus, when you read the Gospels, there are moments where he is like up in the middle of the night, basically, really early, praying by himself in the wilderness. So he is with the Father. And you you have to think that for him, if you use your imagination, that was a time of filling. And he was experiencing God, worshiping him, enjoying him. But you also think really quickly, that was so that then the rest of or the rest of what he was called into like it would be the fruit would be the fruit of that experience and i think if you apply that lens to creation or any of the gifts of god um in a similar way you you get the same result like if if the thing that you enjoy doing so whether it's getting a creation fishing hunting whatever doesn't lead towards what the picture of jesus is the picture of a flourishing human so the way he lived the way he was is what, what we're made for. If, if those things don't lead us towards that, there is a problem. It doesn't mean that it's exactly like what, you know, we're not wandering around. I mean, like engaging with people in loving ways, engaging with needs that you see around you. If, if those gifts don't lead to that at some point, if it, if it does, like I think that word used earlier was really helpful. Term, if, if it just terminates with the thing, I think we're we could be misusing it. It could be an idol. It could become an end instead of a means to an end. Yeah, and I think I do want to caution. Um, I mean, one, it's so it's so difficult to put out these cautions, and I appreciate how you said you didn't want to. You don't want to be super black and white in this because the way that we're wired, some people are going to be more prone to overthink. It, yes. And then other people are going to be prone to underthink it. And so it's just always dangerous to like throw out warnings. But one caution I would give is what, what does it stir? So when your nature, does it stir a specific worship of a, of the specific God of the Bible, you know, manifested in Jesus Christ, or is it more generic? I, a lot of times what sometimes causes me concern is when people say they feel closest to God they're talking about it in kind of a very generic agnostic way. And I think what they're actually describing is the feeling that every human being feels when you're at the foot of the Grand Canyon or in something like that, where you're just like, I feel small. There feels like there's something out there. A lot of people, agnostics, um, even atheists will feel like that kind of sense of awe and that does stir something in us. So you don't have to be a Christian to be stirred by creation at all. But the question is, what does it look like for the Christian to appreciate nature and to receive that as a gift? And so that's another thing I would, I would encourage people to watch is, is this, is this kind of, is what I'm actually describing when I'm out here in nature, just a kind of a generic awe? Or is it like, do I see God's good design and it stirs my heart for the God who became flesh and lived the life I couldn't live and died the death that I deserved. And, and this is all a gift from him. Um, you know, and again, we, we talk about the idea of these gifts being attached to a person that, um, going back to ice cream, like everyone enjoys it. Well, I shouldn't say people love ice cream. Most people enjoy an ice cream cone, but 
there's something different about an ice cream cone that is given to you and shared, you know, like if I take my kid out for ice cream, they enjoy that gift of ice cream differently. It does something different. And that's than than it would if they just like went and bought their own ice cream cone. And, 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 and that's what I would just encourage Christians is we as Christians have this insight into the God who created all of this. And so there's more there. And so, Anybody can enjoy the ice cream cone. Anybody can go and look at a sunset and say, that's beautiful. And they can enjoy it to a certain extent. But the beauty of God like rescuing us and redeeming us and reconciling us into relationship is we don't just get to enjoy that sunset because it's beautiful. We get to enjoy that sunset because it was given as a gift from the God who knew, knows me and loves me and redeems me. Um, you know, I, again, thinking about like an artist, anybody can enjoy a beautiful painting. Like we have this beautiful painting that hangs outside of our worship area, but there's something powerful about like that was painted by Lou in our church, you know? And, and, and so there's a connection there because um, you can just appreciate the painting or there's an even deeper appreciation of it because of your love for the person who created it, you know? And, and so that's, I think, that's what I really would love for people to experience and really be intentional about is realizing, man, there, that is a gift that is meant as an even deeper gift for those of us who know the creator of the river, of the woods, of the sunset, of the stars that allows us to appreciate it in a really beautiful, even deeper way. And so it's meant to stir us towards that, not to just be like, oh, look at the pretty sunset. Yeah. And I, uh, like you said, personal. Yeah. And I think that is so key. Right. And we've talked about that a lot when it comes to transformation or any of the, any of our growth, right. This is, this is all relational because God is personal. And that's why I, I really think that the dialogue with him as we experience it really helps our hearts like keep up with that reality because we can forget that. And sometimes even the best theology or truths from the Bible can become just principles but it's all relational, right? It's all coming from God as a gift to his creation. He loves. And when you receive it that way, like, yeah, the analogy with a painting or it's someone who writes you maybe a, a letter or a poem or something, it's the energy and the effort and the intentionality to do something that you would love. And when you think about the way God, the diversity in creation that he made for us to enjoy, it can evoke that when we realize it's coming from a real living person, not just a force. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, that's a big reason why as a church, we want to be mindful of our responsibility in creation, you know, and that goes off into it. We could get into a whole other conversation about any of this, but I, um, but just suffice it to say, it's also a really good reminder of as Christians, we are meant to think about these things in biblical ways, in ways through as God has given us and not be uh, influenced by political thought. And so just like we talked about at the beginning of how science has been pitted against Christianity and as Christians, we can just say, no, like I don't, I reject that premise. So I don't have to be, I'm not anti-science. Like I'm very, very pro-science. Um, but similarly to the environment, like I don't have to be, I don't have to be forced into a, you know, 
I don't have to buy into the idea that to be a Christian means like to not care about the environment. Think about how silly that is. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have to buy into the political narratives. I can just say, God created this for us. And in, in Genesis, we are given dominion over it. Like we're meant to care for it and to be good stewards of it. And um, there will be, just like with anything, there'll be differing views on how to best do that. But Christians, we need to not lose sight of the fact that that is a priority. And we have to be reminded that that God lovingly created this for us to enjoy and to have dominion over. And so, um, so why would we, why would we think it's not either not valuable or why would we think we don't have any responsibility or that somehow what I hear is like, well, God's taking care of that. Like, no, he gave it to us. And so like, there is a stewardship thing there. Um, we don't need to buy into other narratives that would try to, um, would try to dictate how we're supposed to think about this. We have, the scriptures to tell us yeah, like how God wants us to think about these things. And yeah. And be, yeah. and it's interesting, like the, the full picture the scriptures give of the human heart and our tendency to, to greed or acquisitiveness or just selfishness, basic selfishness. We would need to assume that like any of God's gifts to us, it, it would be very easy for a human being to misuse it. Yeah. Right. I mean, and it just seems like a fact once you know, the word and you understand sin and brokenness and what you're saying to me just brings that out again. Like, yeah, of course we, we are, things are not as they ought to be. Right. And so there's going to be all kinds of ways of interacting with what God made that are destructive. And that's going to actually come very easily to us because of sin. It's not a hard thing to learn how to do that. Um, it's interesting how even like if you watch kids go through the woods, um, they like to sometimes grab sticks or break branches off and like they have to learn let's not we're going to leave the tree as it is we're going to yeah. let it grow we're not going to destroy it right there's something that's just kind of in us like this would be interesting to see what happens when i bend this off you know um or if you sit with a kid in the grass they're going to start pulling the grass yeah. off right and you yeah. teach them like well no we're going to leave the grass in there because the we're trying to grow grass there or and, stepping on a bug like yeah. i remember that as a kid yep. like stepping on the bugs and i literally on my hike i remember a bug like going across and like i avoided it yep because i think like hey and as my wife loves to say um she's very much a pacifist towards creatures when they are outside of the borders of our house <laughs> And once they come in the house, she's like, "You're all bets are off now. You've invaded. And once you once yeah. you're an invader, then that's different." But um, the, I think the mosquitoes in my yard would probably want to say wasps what? too. Oh yeah, there's exceptions. Right? There are exceptions, but <laughs> but you're right. Like, and so I hope like the practical thing about this, just to kind of maybe put a bow on this. Um, what I would hope that people get from a message like that, and just from a conversation like this, is that if you're wired to love the outdoors, like where you just naturally love being in the outdoors and we, what we think about even as outdoor activities, that that hopefully this would help us be mindful to let that stir your heart towards worship of God and receiving it. And remember the personal nature of this gift and let that stir your affections for Christ and for the desire then to to worship together and worship him and to grow and and hunger for his word and all of those things. So that's what I would say to the person who is, who naturally says, yeah, I love, I love nature. I love the outdoors is to just to be mindful. Okay. Is, are you, 
is it terminated at the gift where you just say, yeah, I appreciate the, appreciate the outdoors, or are you letting it stir your heart um, in its fullness of what it was designed to do, which is to turn into worship of God. But for those who um, don't find themselves naturally wanting to go outside, for those who enjoy climate control and enjoy bug-free environments and, you know, and all those different things, um, to not feel like, like fishing is a more godly hobby than, um, I don't know. I was trying to think of an indoor hobby painting. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, just people who'd rather be in, uh, you know, in, or, or, you know, any, there, there's, <laughs> I can't believe I'm struggling to well, sewing. Like board games. Board together. games. Whatever. Yeah. Like you enjoy. So yeah. Like is going for a hike in the woods with your family inherently a godlier activity than playing a board game with your family. I would say it depends on the fruit of that. Like I would say (laughs) that depending on the board game and depending on the hike, but the reality is that no, God has given us like all, like there's no end to God's gift. Nature is one of those gifts, but I would say there's something uniquely, there's something specifically special about nature. Um, it's it's like it's one of the few things that we can look at and not see human handprints on all the time. And one of the things I love about the Upper Peninsula is how much how much wilderness there is. And there are places that you can go where you feel like I don't know if another human being has even been here. And that's getting rarer and rarer. When I lived out west, there were places like that where you're like, man. And so there is something really beautiful about that. Um and just receiving that, but just be mindful that like to look around and just to realize like all this was created and it was meant to draw our eyes. And so if you are outdoorsy, let it do that. If you're not, there's, there's no, there's no shame. Like you're not less godly because you don't like camping. (laughs) Like there's not anything about that, but it is a gift for you too. And it is meant to stir our affections um, for God. So just encouraging people to do that. That's my big thing. I'm, I'm in agreement. Well, good. Way to go, Jay. I I appreciate that. I'm glad this didn't turn into a big debate. Oh yeah, I thought I was going to. No, I didn't. Yeah, no. This one's this one's pretty straightforward. So, um, yeah. Like as always, we're really glad that you took the time to listen. We hope it's been helpful. We hope that you're able to get outside today or whenever you're listening to this, and just appreciating. Um, how big our God is and how endlessly creative and how intentional all of it is uh, as a gift to his children and that we would receive it with thanksgiving. Uh, if you have any questions, if you, um, anytime you want to reach out and ask any questions that we can, that might be helpful here on the podcast or just in general, uh, we would welcome that. You can always reach out at connect at faithpastigo.com or talk to us on a, on a Sunday. Thanks for listening. We hope As always, that it's been helpful. Until next time, grace and peace.